A very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Growing Dentist Show. This is Narain, your host and founder of Equa Marketing. Today, I'm super excited to have Ryan with me, Ryan Isaac. Uh, he's a friend I've gotten to know recently, and uh, he's the founder of Dentist a co-founder of DentistAdvisors.com, and he's also um, uh, the host of the Dentist Money Show. So welcome, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Um, so for those of my listeners who haven't heard of you yet, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, who are you? You know, what's your background? Uh, how did you get into, uh, you know, the business of money? And then, of course, how did you get into working with dentists? Yeah, well, I think the important things to know about me are that I uh, love tacos. I eat tacos every single day for breakfast. And uh, I'm a very average CrossFitter and uh, a bald guy with a beard. Those are very, very important things people know about me. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Dennis Advisors uh, started about a decade ago. Uh, actually, a little bit longer than that, maybe 11, 12 years ago. It was founded uh, by a guy named Reese Harper. Um, who's the CEO and founder of our firm. And um, we're an independent registered investment advisor, which just means we're, um, we don't work for any banks or insurance companies. We're uh, a completely fee-only independent financial advisor um, just for dentists. So that started about 11 years ago. And uh, we're, we're located, like our headquarters is based in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, but about you know, four years ago, we launched the Dennis Money Show, which is our podcast. Uh, it's a weekly show that we have interviews and we talk about different financial subjects that, that dentists have to deal with. And ever since then, our client base kind of grew nationwide. And uh, since then, we have advisors in different states and kind of all over the place. So we do, we specialize in just two things, only for dentists. We do financial planning. We have kind of a, uh, a custom um, process and system platform that we've built to do financial planning for dentists. And then we are an investment advisor. So we manage our clients' investments and manage their retirement accounts. So those are the two main things we do. Um, and yeah, we've been doing it for about 11 years now. That's great. That's great. Um, so your clients, uh, tell us about, tell me about your clients. What type of dentists come to you and why do they come to you? Yeah. You know, the the topic of uh we talk about this a lot the topic of or the subject of financial planning it's kind of a vague term you know it's it's kind of like uh you know in your world and someone says marketing it kind of can mean a lot of different things you know and there's a lot of people that will call themselves a marketing expert you know there's not much of a barrier to entry to that and there's a, it's the same thing in financial planning financial planning you know you might have uh your banker um call themselves a financial planner. Your insurance person might say they're a financial planner. Your 401k person might say that. So it's kind of a vague term. Um, and so what we've set out to do is, is really just kind of like build a more rigorous set of standards of what financial planning for a dentist should be. Um, and we built this system called the elements, which looks like a, it's kind of a flashback to chemistry. It's this periodic table looking thing where each one of the elements is a, a piece of someone's financial life. And every month we rotate through these financial subjects for every client just to dive in really deep and make sure that every piece 
of someone's financial life is, is being watched out for and taken care of and benchmark and track and all that stuff. So the people that come to us, um, again, it's only dentists across the country. It's every specialty. And uh, we typically end up working with um, mostly uh, practice owners that have been in practice for, you know, some time, a handful of years and and more. Um, With the Dennis Money Show was kind of one of the efforts that we started to help people that we couldn't work with right off the bat. So there's a lot of like new grads, new associates, brand new business owners where, I mean, literally their whole financial plan is save enough money to buy a practice and an emergency fund. Like that's the whole plan. You know, (laughs) you don't need to hire a planner day one. And so um, for those people, we try to put out a lot of just free content on our website and a lot of content through the, through the podcast, the Dennis money show. But uh, that's kind of, that's kind of our audience. And, you know, we, we go around and we do a lot of speaking and we do a lot of um, educational seminars and events and things like that. We just, we love getting out and teaching. So that's kind of what we're about. Right. 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 And um, in terms of uh, the dentist uh, money show, what inspired you to start this? I mean, like, um, I'm sure you guys were doing well and, um, you know, you guys have been in business for seven years. So what, what, what was the reason? Like, what, was, what motivated you guys? Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, we, in our industry, companies like in the investment and, and financial planning industry, companies tend to mostly just grow where they're located. You know, it's a very like regional specific kind of business. So you set up shop and you build a reputation and a network in whatever city you're in. And in order to expand in my, in our industry, most of the time you have to open up a physical location. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of similar to the banking industry. You open up a branch somewhere and build a reputation and build a client base. And so we got to a point where, I mean, we live in a really cool time, you know, as you know, I mean, you can teach and work with people and service people and not have to be physically right next to them. And the funny thing is, I think um, we're all getting so busy these days, or we think we're busy, we feel busy, uh, where it's, it feels kind of like a burden to drive to an office to go see someone in person. I and mean, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, we still have probably a good quarter of our clients are close to us locally. And uh, no one comes to see us at our office anymore. You know, people who are 10 minutes away uh, still want to just get on a phone and just get stuff done or send an email. So we started the Dennis Money Show as part in effort to just, you know, reach a bigger audience in this time that we live where people don't expect you to live right next to them. They don't have to come to your office to talk to you or uh, get something of value from you. The other side of it is we're, you know, I'd like to think that we're kind of like teachers at heart. We really love teaching people. We love providing and building content. Um, you know, there's 200,000 dentists in the country and uh, we're not going to work with all of them, like not even close, you know, but we can still offer something to the community at large. We can do something for the, for the, the you know, good of the greater community by providing content and advice. And, you know, if it helps someone, help someone. So it was kind of like this double-sided goal of, um, you know, just helping in a, in, in a just kind of free giving back kind of teaching way and also expanding our ability to, to, uh, work with people that weren't exactly close to us. So, you know, you, how many episodes are are in, are you on, in your show? More than a hundred. More than a hundred. So, I mean, you know how you kind of start the, the thing and you're, you know, it's easy to have steam for like 10, 15 episodes. 
I remember a point where we, we were about a hundred and I remember thinking, what are we going to keep talking about? <laughs> you know, like, how are we going to keep this thing going? And, um, but you know, you just, if you really care, if you really have a lot of passion and, and have expertise and knowledge about your subject matter and you really care to share the message, then there's always something else to talk about. So it's kind of uh, it's been a fun evolution. It's been fun to see it, it grow. And I, for me, it's just been cool to see the amount of people we're able to reach and new relationships and friendships we've been able to, to forge just through this technology. I don't think we could have done this five or six years ago. You know, it, people have, we, we built a trust in business nowadays where, um, you can see someone over a, over a video conference or listen to someone on a podcast and you do it, you know, a handful of times, a dozen times, and you start to feel like, you know, that person and you can gain trust and, and engage in business and you don't, you, maybe you never see each other, you know? And so it's a, it's a really cool time we live in. Right. Right. Um, let's talk about, let's get to some, you know, let's teach them something. Let's add yeah. some value. Um, dive in. Let dive in. So let's talk about, um, the stages of life, you know, because most of us, you know, um, go through certain stages. So I, I want to kind of, from a 10,000 foot point of view, um, t- tell me um, what are the different stages that people go through? Um, you know, of course, starting with graduating from school. So let's say that's yeah. one, right? Okay. And I just want you to kind of walk me through, like, because you talked about um, in some of your remarks earlier about, um, you call it the elements, you know, and you focus on different elements. So I assume the elements have something to do with the stages and what yeah. people want as they go. So just give me yeah. a 10,000 foot understanding. Yeah, that's a cool question. Okay. So in my mind, I'd probably break it up into four stages of a dentist's career. Uh, if we start stage one and we say stage one is that school and graduation period, you know, it's, it's just new grad, it's first job. The biggest decisions you're making in that period of time um, they're simple, but they're huge. You know, it's like, first of all, where, where do I go for my education? What do I specialize in? Where am I going to spend my time? Um, those, those things have big impacts, you know, where, where am I going to live? You know, am I going to take whatever job? It seems like the best paying job, or am I going to go to the place that I really want to be in and then make the job work around that? I mean, there's some huge decisions that are made in that early part of career that will impact finances and, general contentment in life and you know how happy you are with the place you live in and where you work so you know some of the financial things that young dentists are dealing with in that period of life are student loans obviously a huge subject nowadays um man i remember 10 years ago when we'd gather data for a new client and a student loan would be like 200 grand you know and it was like whoa <laughs> two hundred thousand dollars that's so much school that now, you know, five and 600,000 bucks for a general dentist coming out of school is like, you don't even, you don't even bat an eye at that anymore. So huge decisions with, with, um, finances and, and student loans and just how to pay for all this stuff. You know, where are you going to live? Uh, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about some of the different places you've lived in your life and they have an impact on you, you know, like the places you live, um, they will, they can make you happy or they can make you depressed. And, you know, you can feel like you're a part of a city or not a part of a city. So the decision on where these young dentists are choosing to work is, is really big. Um, there's real, there's basic other financial, um, things like most people coming out of school want to buy a practice. Eventually they want to be an owner. And so you have to, uh, have some kind of, um, cash for that, you know, banks. I mean, luckily, man, dentists work in this industry where a bank will give you a million bucks, like pretty easy and pretty cheap, pretty quick, you know? 
it's, it's uh, an awesome industry um, to work in, but they like to see a little bit of liquidity. So those are some of the big things that I would say phase one dentists are facing just some of these big life decisions, um, student loans, and uh, just saving up their first bit of, of, you know, liquidity so that they can buy, buy into their first practice. You know, those are some of the, the, the big decisions that they're facing. Um, Phase two, I would say phase two is maybe that like early thirties to early forties. I mean, maybe it's the decade of your thirties. It's kind of early part of career. Maybe you're uh, into ownership. Um, Maybe you did a scratch start or you bought a practice, you're a partner somewhere. Um, Those are the years where you go from that, uh, that lifestyle where there's like nothing left over. There's ramen in the cupboard and you're sharing a car and, you know, there's just like, you're just wondering like, man, is this, am I ever going to make any money from this thing? <laughs> is there ever going to be like, when do I, when do I get that doctor lifestyle, you know? And it, it's during that decade where you actually hit that point, you kind of turn a corner and net worth will go from being negative to turning to positive. Um, you'll start to notice for the first time ever, like, oh, there's, there's a thousand bucks a month left over, you know? And then a couple of years goes by and there's 2,500 bucks and there's five grand, there's seven grand. And there's like cash that after you paid your taxes and your debts and your spending, there's cash that's piling up in your business checking. And for the first time ever, you're going, Oh, I have more money than I need to spend. You know, what do I do with it? Where should it go? I've got these loans. I've got a house. I've got a building. I've got a practice. I still want to grow. I want to take more vacations. I want to pay down some debt. I know I have to save. Eventually I won't have a job when I'm older and I got to save for retirement. You start asking those questions. That's kind of like, I would say that's the decade of your thirties. Um, phase three, and I'm, I'm just making these up off the top of my head after seeing this for a decade, but I think these are probably pretty accurate. Phase three, I think is probably a little bit longer of a phase. It probably goes through, you know, your, from your forties into close to retirement age. And those are kind of like your peak years. That's when, um, I'm finding I'm, I'm that age too. I'm, I'm just shy of 40 and I'm noticing some of my peers that are about that, that age too. It feels like the time in life where you start to realize who you are and what you're really interested in a career and what trade-offs are worth it and what trade-offs are not worth it. You know, um, for some, they might've started out thinking they want 10 locations and they hit about that age and they start, they, they realize, you know what? I just want one location. I want a lifestyle practice. I want one associate. I want to work three days a week and just maximize profitability and collections in one place, you know? And then some people who thought they'd never be a multi-practice owner end up with a dozen locations, you know? Uh, I think that the forties and fifties are where you start to really figure out who you are and what you want and what, what things are worth the trade-offs and what, what aren't. And it's also the time when you hit your peak earning careers. Um, some of your original debts start getting paid off. You have more and more cash flow. Um, you have more savings left over. You have more options with retirement plans. You can do bigger pension and profit sharing. Um, Consequently, it's also some of the, the most expensive time for families. You have teenagers, you know, I've got a teenager. You start to get to the point where you're just asking yourself, how much food do these kids really eat every day? <laughs> like, why do my kids need new shoes and new pants like every other week? You know, how much money are their activities going to cost? And like, oh my gosh, the college is coming up. And, you know, so it's also a pretty expensive time in life. I would say that's phase three. You kind of hit your stride. You figure out who you are. You figure out what you really want to build and you kind of hit those peak earning and peak spending years. Um, phase four, I would say is just after career, you know, uh, what, what's really interesting. And I've been having more of these conversations recently is 
you know, I think 20 years ago, if you were to ask dentists, um, what does retirement mean? What does it look like? It, you know, I think most of the time it was like, get to 65, sell the practice, hand the keys over, walk away, you know? But now we live in a time that's really different. Um, some people are choosing to extend ownership into their 70s and just kind of back out of clinical and be in a more management role. Um, some people are taking advantage of the longevity of the, of, the denti- of the career in dentistry. You can work till you're 70 plus years old if you like it and you're healthy and you're still, you know, your clinical skills are kept up. But some, some people are backing out of the ownership in their 50s. You know, they're like, I just want to sell my practice at 55. I kind of want to wash my hands of the responsibilities of ownership, but I'm going to work for 15 more years. You know, it's really rare to have a career where 65 years old, 67 years old, you could work a day and a half a week and make a six figure income. You know, that's really rare. Uh, But dentistry has just really great longevity and financially. And from a retirement perspective, if you're able to work even a little bit making 75, hundred grand a year, that takes so much pressure off of withdrawing money out of your retirement portfolios. Eventually it takes a lot of pressure off, you know, it takes the pressure off the amount of risk you have to take and how long is it going to last? So this last part of, um, you know, this fourth phase in career where people start deciding what they're going to do with their practice, when they're going to back out, how they're going to do it, whether or not they're going to keep ownership. Um, if they're going to keep working a little bit here and there part-time, that's kind of a, uh, you know, it's a, I would say it's a really evolving phase of career. It has way more options than it used to 20 years ago. Um, there's just more longevity in it. And, um, you know, and, and people are just finding new parts of their life too. Now they have more time they have all the money they've saved up and they've got time on their hands. And hopefully if people have kept up on their health and they're, you know, they're still in like, you know, good physical health, they can really enjoy another like few decades of life. And so, Anyway, I think those would be like the four uh, main phases of career. And, you know, we typically end up working with people in two, three, and four. You know, those are kind of like two is when people usually approach us and in, into three and four. Um, we're working on some things right now this year. When this podcast goes out, it's, you know, spring of 2019. And uh, we're working on some things to engage that phase one career person, Um to provide some, you know, some free or really, really cheap tools uh, for people to kind of like get organized and track their progress on their own through some technology um, where, you know, they might not totally require a full financial planner and advisor at that point in their lives, but need something, you know, so uh, we're working on, but I'd say those are probably the four phases of what I think are the, you know, phases of of career and dentistry. Right. So let's, let's talk about life, a day in the life of your clients. So let's say somebody who started with you 10 years ago, right? Take some, pick a name. Like you don't have to give me the real name, but uh, yeah. what happens? Like, what, I just want to understand, um, like what are some of the things you and, they, you and the client talk about? Yeah. What are some of the things you guys do for them? Uh, I just want to understand, um, um, like, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, I, you know, I put the money in a GIC or I put the money in a mutual fund. Mm-hmm. Why the hell do I need a financial plan? I, I'm just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that it's totally true. There, there's two, man, we were just talking about this on our show the other week. There's, there's two things that you bring up here. There's this vague term of financial planning, right? right. And then there's financial products. Now the cool thing that didn't exist even 10 years ago is we as just, you know, 
uh, normal people have unprecedented access to financial products that we never did before, you know, in the eighties and the nineties to get a stock, you had to call someone on the phone that was like down in a stock exchange yelling back and forth. And they got you, they got you a stock, you know, or if you wanted to buy insurance, like you got to go find the local insurance guy, you know, to do business with even, even things like loans, you know, practice or home loans. Uh, we live in an age now where access to to financial products is as easy and as cheap as it's ever been. And that's a huge win for, for people, you know, uh, it cuts out a lot of bloated expense, a lot of unnecessary process, but um, a product is not a plan, you know, just having a mutual fund uh, is not the plan itself or having, just having a financial product is not a plan. There's plenty of people who are not going to end up in a good position in retirement uh, despite the fact that they had access to unlimited amounts of inexpensive financial products, you know, that's, that's only part of the, the battle. The other, the other side of the battle is kind of like everything else in life. It's our, it's our, it's our behavior over long periods of time. It's like thousands of little decisions over long periods of time, you know, and that applies to relationships and running a business and marketing systems and health and fitness and wellness. It's like, what are the little decisions that you're making on a daily basis over decades? Cause that's really, that's really the story that'll, that, that's what'll tell the story. You know, it's not whether or not someone had access to buy a cheap mutual fund. You know, we, we have access to buy cheap mutual funds, but it's not fixing a retirement problem where people don't have enough money in the future. You know, just the same thing is now more than ever, we have access to know what healthy eating should be like or how we should stay fit and how to exercise. But it's not fixing a health problem in, in, in the world. People aren't getting healthier, you know? We're getting less healthy over time, even though we have better access to uh, healthy information and, and solutions. So it's, it's this idea that behavior is what really drives things. So this other side of it, of financial planning, kind of your question of day in the life, financial planning I would describe as maybe three different parts. Uh, part one would be uh, being really, really organized. You know, you can't do anything. You can't make any good decisions unless you're very organized. And same thing in marketing systems or running a business or, you know, trying to start a new workout program. You have to, you have to know where you're at. You got to know your numbers. You got to be really organized, know where everything's at. Um, the next thing would be to have um, some kind of like progress tracking, you know, you don't know if you're, if you've gotten anywhere unless you know where you used to be and compare the two and compare the two constantly. You know, you, co you constantly want to be knowing where was I six months ago and where am I today? And you want to know that across like dozens and dozens of little categories, financially speaking, you know, am I saving more money as a percentage of my income than I used to? Do I spend more as a percentage than I used to? Uh, do I pay more in taxes? You know, like just dozens of little questions like that. You want to know where you're at today relative to where you used to be. So I would say kind of like personal benchmarking and progress tracking. And then principle three would be accountability, you know, just like anything else in life. Um, you and I were, were just talking about the human brain and how amazing and fantastic it is, but how distracted we are, you know, we get so distracted. And so we're just humans perform better at any task when we have some accountability to the results, you know? And so financial planning should be those three things. It should be getting someone incredibly organized. It should 
um, keep track of their progress in a bunch of different areas and it should give accountability to that progress. So a day in the life of a client, if you go to our website, you go to dentistadvisors.com you click on a little link that says elements, it'll take you to a page that shows this like periodic table, looks like the periodic table of chemistry elements. And each, there's 12 of them. And each one of those elements is a part of someone's financial picture and they correspond to a month of the year. So for example, we just got done analyzing everyone's savings rate. So for hundreds of dentists, we just went through and we reported on what percentage of their gross income from last year got saved. And savings meaning what went into a retirement account? What went into some liquidity account? How much did you save in the business? How much did you put towards your kid's college savings or future? Um, how much extra debt payments did you make last year? We just, we just tracked what percentage that was. And then we compared it to um, where they used to be. You know, as you're making more money, are you saving more money? Are you saving less money? Is that okay? And, you know, and, and then we're the accountability factor because we're following up in this month just on one subject, not the whole thing. You know, we're not talking about everything in their whole lives. We're talking about one thing. What did you save? Um, and so every month that goes by, people who work with us in that, in that elements model, that's, that's what we're doing. Um, the month after that was profitability. We took everyone's P&L and tax returns and their income and we just, we said, how much money did you make out of this thing? You know, what, what kind of income came out to the ownership of the practice? And then if you have multiple owners, you know, it, it's kind of like at a high level, what, how profitable is this practice? Uh, dental consultants, our job isn't to fix, you know, um, problems at the front desk or systems or marketing, but our job is just to identify things with data and numbers and financial data and then say, okay, there's experts out there that could fix this. Maybe you have a marketing problem. You need to get in, in touch with our friends, um, uh, you know, and, and fix a marketing problem. Or maybe you've got a hygiene issue, you know? Maybe we're not, we don't have uh, good enough processes. Maybe AR is like way out there or just something. We can identify that with numbers. That's part of being organized and having accountability of these things. Another month might be all of your debt. You know, what interest rates are you paying? How many years left do you have? Could you refinance and save some money? Should we pay down a loan faster? Um, and, and you know, and it's taxes, it's spending, it's net worth, it's insurance, uh, it's your investment account. So every month in our process, a day in the life is, you know, um, uh, whatever month it is, we're just focused, we're laser focused on one subject and we're reporting, you know, we're keeping it organized. Our jobs to do that organization. We have this online dashboard system and it, it keeps everyone's net worth and spending and, um, all their income and, you know, all their assets and debts and everything. So we keep it organized. We report on kind of the progress in one area per month. We have conversations about it. We talk a lot. We, we communicate a lot with our clients. And then we're that accountability factor to reach out and say, Hey, you know, I'm noticing this number doesn't look as good as it probably should be. What can we do to, to fix this or, or bring it up or improve it? So, you know, and then it's just a monthly repeating uh, process like that. Lots of communication, um, lots of um, just, you know, high amounts of organization and talking about it constantly and uh, just keeping an eye on it. So that's kind of, um, that's kind of the process that we go through with people. That's brilliant. So how do you get access to the numbers? Because you do the taxes for all your clients? Or how does that work? Yeah, good question. No, we are not a, an accounting firm. We're not a CPA firm. We love our clients, accountants. Uh, we work really well with them. Um, that, you know, and that, that's kind of a decision we made early on in the first few years. We, there, there's some really reputable, great firms around the country that have chosen to have a business model where they do everything in-house, you know, um, kind of this idea that it's just more efficient and a little bit easier. And I understand 
definitely the the logic of that. But we made a decision years ago to just stick to the two things we do, uh, financial planning and investments and let uh, our clients CPAs do their job and attorneys and consultants and marketing people. Um, but we gather the data. So we kind of act as like a central hub, you know, kind of like the main coordinator between all these different branches. If you drew a picture on a piece of paper, um, dentist advisors would be like in this center circle, you know, as this hub. And then all these little spokes would shoot off from that main hub, uh, accounting and practice and, uh, you know, legal, whatever it is. Um, we'll gather all this data. So, you know, when, when someone hires us, they give us permission, we meet their CPAs, we get to know their other people that are also in their lives. And we, we gather this data, we put it into an online dashboard. We have our own like custom software and systems that we've built to keep track of everything, but we request it all. So we, we um, get everything from every lender our clients have. We reach out to every insurance company they have, um, not at the practice, but like personal insurance, you know, like life insurance, disability, liability. We get their policies. We get their tax returns, their P&Ls, their income, their spending, uh, the software tracks. They link their accounts to the software and it tracks what they spend um, every month. And so all of this flows into kind of this central system. And then from there, depending on the month, you know, if it's savings rate month, then we'll go to our system and we'll pull out the two things that calculate savings rate, which is all the accounts that uh, received incoming savings uh, and total income. And those are the two, you know, factors in that equation. And that's kind of how it rolls month in and month out. But that, that's our job um, is to uh, keep things organized by trying to do most of the work of data gathering and, and keeping it all organized. Right, right. Um, and you would flag and say, hey, today, here are our worst performers when it comes to savings. And you talk to those <laughs> yeah no yeah no public shaming we don't have like a wall of shame like oh you had a zero percent savings rate we like call you out in public on that um no but you know like that's a that's a great one too savings rate just happened two months ago and as a like i i have my own personal clients too um that i work with and so i i see you know um about a hundred reports come across my email every month on that particular subject. And I just looked at every savings rate report, you know, and there's kind of a benchmark of savings rate of, for someone's income, you know, of what we'd like to see someone save what percentage of their gross income in order to just have enough. And truthfully, man, like out of all the things that are indicators of how healthy someone is financially, I would say their savings rate is probably the number one indicator because in truth, um, dentists have this, really unique career where it takes a long time to get started. There's a very high barrier to entry. It's very expensive. You've got to be a smart person to do it and have a lot of tenacity and a lot of sacrifice and hard work. But if you get there and you run a pretty decent practice, you don't have to be the biggest dentist in the world. You just run a good practice. You almost have a guaranteed path to a secure financial future as long as you save some money. You don't have to have the craziest investments. You don't have to have the highest rate of return. You don't have to invent the next Facebook along the way or the next piece of dental software. Just run a good dental practice your whole career. Keep your profitability up and save 20% of your income. And you, can ha you could literally have mediocre investment results. You could have just average, just average investment results for 30 years. But if you save enough money, you're going to be fine. This is, and so then you would ask like, well, that seems pretty easy. Why, why is the average rate of dentists retiring so much later than the average person? It's because it's not that easy. 
you know, having a high savings rate is a combination of like hundreds of little things, you know, you have to keep spending and taxes and debt in check and you have to like make a decisions and you can't make bad decisions and you can't blow up your whole plan with, you know, some crazy investment idea. And, you know, you can't buy the wrong stuff and you can't let the business tank. And I mean, there's a lot of ingredients that make that little, you know, savings rate cake, you know, or donut since I love donuts, but that's the, that's the simplicity of it, man, is just, if you can maintain a good healthy savings rate for your income over your life, you'll have a good financial future. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, if you're an average dentist and you save a good amount, you're going to retire at 45 and be, you know, done with working, but you can retire at a normal age, but have a very high net worth and never have to worry about money. It's totally possible. It's more, it's not like, it's almost guaranteed as a dentist. It's a matter of, are you going to screw it up or not? You know, all those little hundreds and thousands of, of choices that you make with your behavior over three decades will that screw things up or will it be okay? And that's where truthfully, that's the value of a good financial advisor. It's not about, I mean, it's marketed in my industry as like, who's going to get you the best return or who's going to find you the best stock or pick the best mutual fund. That's a, that's a, that's a myth. That's not even possible. You know, you don't even know the best stock or mutual fund until 20 years later. And you look backwards and you go, Oh, that one was huh, no one knew, you know, that's a myth, but that's the, that's what the marketing is. The truth of hiring a real competent, good financial advisor is that your, your behavior, you'll have organization and accountability to good behavior, little choices over 30 years of your life and, and more. Uh, and that's what makes the big difference. This is amazing. <laughs> this is wonderful stuff. Um, what are some of the mistakes you see people making? Like, like, I know you talked about savings is like the number one thing. Like, well, like, what are, like, give me like, you have been doing this for 10 years or more. Mm-hmm. Like, give me like the number one thing they do that you really, really don't want them to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a don't good... do that you want them to do. Yeah. You know, I would say um, it's kind of a vague, well, not vague, but it's a really basic one. And it's a principle that I've already said it, it works in a lot of areas of our life. And that's just being organized. Dentists by nature, you know, um, are really busy people. And, just by the nature of the career and the industry, you, as a dentist, you have to take on usually more than you thought you'd have to, you know, many, many dentists just have a love for the clinical work and the science of it and the art of dentistry, but not a love for HR and hiring and building employee systems and training people and, you know, talking to a difficult employee and letting someone go and building marketing systems and understanding opinion. I mean, there's so many hats to wear and a lot of people, a lot of dentists weren't expecting that or don't want it or don't have an interest in it, but you just have to, you know? And so I think one of the biggest mistakes can be trying to tackle all these things without having some kind of structure of extreme organization. You know, you got to know where all the parts are and what they, what they're, you know, what they are. You have to just have to know what everything is. Even if something's not going perfectly, we talk about this sometimes, like even if you're, savings rate or your net worth isn't ideal just admitting it on paper and knowing where it's at is a million times better than ignoring it you know and just waiting for like i don't know in the future sometime it'll get better because unless it's organized it won't get better so i'd say number one mistake is just continuing to be disorganized because and i think people do that it's just human nature you know if something if if life isn't going great like if you know you're not saving that much money or you know like you're in more debt than you should be and you're kind of just scraping every paycheck, the last thing you want to do is go put it all on paper, (laughs) 
you know, build a spreadsheet and tell you what you already know. <laughs> You're like, I already know it's bad. You know, I don't want to put that on a spreadsheet. But just the act of doing that will make you more aware and more conscious of your future decisions. The next time you make a financial decision, you'll remember your spreadsheet. You know, if you're, if you're spending money every, if that's your weakness in your budget every, every month is you go spend too much money at, you know, shopping or restaurants or whatever, or groceries, you know, you just overspend at uh, the grocery store. You buy a lot of like gourmet food. We'll pull that money out in cash every month. And uh, just the act of like seeing it dwindle in your little envelope That'll make, that'll force you to make a different decision. Instead of the steak dinner this Friday night, you're going to go out and get a, I don't know, just go get like a donut and a Coke, you know, or a little burger and a beer. And you're going to call it good instead of the big steak and lobster dinner because you're aware of it, you know? So mistake number one, I think is just people need to take some time to be organized. And honestly, that's just not something most dentists should try to do themselves either. At some point when you know, uh, collections are enough and you can afford to just pay someone something, um, find someone who will get you organized. Cause you probably won't keep it up. You know, most dentists are just so busy. Uh, it's just, and it's just not that fun to like organize your financial life in a spreadsheet that you, you might do it once when you're like really stressed, but it's not going to be kept up six months later. So outsource that task, get it off your plate, have someone else just kind of hold you accountable and get you organized. I'd say that's, that's one big mistake. Um, more specifically, um, I think dentists can sometimes make the mistake of assuming that their path to a good financial future is going to come through huge home runs in whatever they decide to invest in, you know, like a huge home run in a, a massive risk in a, a new, new venture in a practice or side projects. You know, you, you hear this all the time, like, um, trying to like dabble or, or moonlight in side projects. Like I'm going to be, uh, I'm a, a full-time dentist, but I also, I want to like go test my hand at the restaurant business, or I'm going to try to be like a real estate mogul, or I'm going to be a stock picker, you know, or market timer. Like I think some dentists can make the mistake of feeling like their financial future is going to be secured only with a huge home run in some investment that they do, you know? not realizing that they've already like taken a lot of risk. I mean, you think about the risk a dentist has already taken just by the time they open their doors, they spent 10 years of their life, probably half a million dollars today in student loans, um, easily maybe another half a million dollars to a million dollars in just opening the practice, getting the equipment, maybe buying the building and every, and everything is in their hands. If they, if they injure their hands, then all that's out the door, like it's gone, you know? like there's already an incredible amount of concentrated risk in dentist two hands by the time they even just open the doors, you know, they don't need to go take huge amounts of risk in other places in their life. They taken it, you know, so just protect that risk, make sure it's profitable, make sure it grows, make sure it makes money and save some of it, you know? And um, so I would say that's probably another uh, maybe mistake I've seen people make over the years. That's great. Now, let me speak for, let's say, a client who is terrible at money, okay? He doesn't save enough. He makes dumb mistakes and he's feeling cash trapped right now. Does it cost me to hire you? Like, how does it work? Yeah. Yes, we do everything for free. We are a pro bono. <laughs> no, no, no. What I mean is, yeah. like, like, you understand where I'm coming yeah. from? Yeah. Fee thing yeah. where I don't really directly pay for it or is it... 
Yeah, you directly pay for it. And that, that, so let me just generally speaking, when you want to go hire a financial advisor, not just our, I'll talk about how we get compensated. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty transparent, but you, my, my industry is notorious um, for charging fees that people don't know they're being charged. Yes. You know? That's what I mean. So they think it's free. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. They think it's free. Why do they think it's free? Because for decades, um, most of our, most of the financial industry, and it's just the way it was set up for most of the, most of its history was people got paid through products. You know, um, you want some help? Well, buy my mutual fund and I'm going to get paid from the mutual fund company. I'm going to even tell you how much they pay me. Uh, I don't even have to disclose that legally or buy my insurance policy or buy my annuity or, you know, buy my 401k. Um, that's just the way the industry ran for so long. Nowadays it's, it's different and it's changing pretty rapidly. Nowadays, you can pay for people's time. So like in our firm, we have, depending on the engagement, you know, if it's a newer dentist with one location and like one business entity in a really simple plan and they need like 10 hours of our time in a whole year, there, there's just, a, there's a minimum amount of revenue our firm needs to service that appropriately. And, and, and we'll just charge that, you know, and we can charge it in a flat fee. Or we manage money, so we earn a percentage of the money. We're a, um, a fiduciary, registered investment advisor, fee only. So we per, we charge a percentage of the money that we manage. If someone chooses to have us manage money, uh, that'll offset the revenue we get, and they'll have a lower monthly fee. If we manage enough money for someone, um, they won't pay a monthly fee because we have all our revenue from managing their money. Or if someone says, I don't want you to manage my money. Don't touch my money. My brother-in-law does it, or I do it. Then we'll say, okay, well, here's the revenue we need to do this job. So you can pay a flat monthly fee and we'll do it, you know, uh, pretty transparent. And there's a lot of firms like ours out there, not a ton that specialize in dentists, but there's a lot more firms nowadays than there ever has been that are fee only advisors. That'll just say, here's a revenue our firm needs, you know, so pay it, how write a check, uh, pay it in a monthly fee, or if I manage money, then that'll offset it too. But uh, that, that's one thing that people need to realize is know how you're paying the person. And if they can't answer that question, you know, if it's like, oh, you don't, you know, you know, the old line, it's like, Oh, you don't pay me. This is free. You know, this is free. No, you, like, you know, we did some insurance business and so it's just free, dude. It's not free. <laughs> it's very expensive paying through the product, you know? And the problem is uh, there's a lot of really intelligent, really well-intentioned uh, financial people out there. The problem isn't usually the people, usually it's the business model. You know, there, there's a lot of like educated, intelligent, well-intentioned financial people that want to help. But they work in businesses that force them to earn their compensation through product sales. And it's not even disclosed, you know? And so it's, it's an ugly mess, but it's changing and it's easier. It's now, it's easier now than ever. Let me, let me, yeah. Let's say I'm a client. I love you. I mean, you've Thank sold you. me, listened to your podcast, et cetera, right? And I'm a prospective client and I'm like, dude, how much is it going to cost me? Yeah. <laughs> So can you give me an answer? Like, can you give me a ballpark? Because yeah, I'll tell. Yeah. Fears people might have is I don't want to tell you everything about how much investments I have and so forth. Totally. And I want to know what I'm getting into, right? So, yeah. and 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 we have, we have the backdrop of all these financial planners saying our service is free. You, you yeah. Understand? Even it's, though they don't do any of the things you do, but the average person still has an experience to you. Yeah. Well, and here's the way. One of the ways I'll answer this too is. Um, a financial firm, our firm, any firm is no different than a dental practice. I mean, it's going to cost you X amount just to buy the materials to do the crown. And it's going to cost you X amount just to have the lights on and have a building where people can come into and a chair to sit in and an assistant that 
looks things over and the hygienist that's going to clean you and then the materials I'm going to put in your mouth. There's just a base amount of revenue needed for a dentist to just keep the doors open. And then yeah. there's profitability. Um, I, I think a financial firm is going to run a similar, not as good a profitability as a dental practice. I mean, a good dental practice can run 40 plus 50% profitability. You know, it's just a really unique industry, man. It's really cool. Um, financial firms not going to be quite that much, but it, let me just give you some examples. So if you said, um, I want to hire a financial person who takes everything off my plate. Like, I don't want to think about this stuff. I want them to talk to my attorney and my CPA and my consultant. I want them to um, track what I spend. I want them to track what I save. I want them to uh, tell me when there's a problem with my insurance policies. I want them to look after my investments. And I want to hear from this person multiple times a year, like proactively. I don't even want to be the one like always prompting the conversation because people complain about that, you know? that they want someone to be proactive. Like they're doing dentistry. They don't have time to see what the problems are and then reach out to you. Like I want a proactive person to call me and I want to be able to contact someone whenever I want with a question when a decision comes up and I don't want to be billed every on the six minute increments like an attorney would. Like I don't want to deal with that. What's that going to cost me? Well, you're not going to pay less than $10,000 a year for that for anybody. No respectable financial advisor is going to do that job for less than 10 grand a year. It's just going to cost you that much in an expert human being's time. And I'm just saying that's like a minimum that someone's going to want to earn to do that job, to pick up a cell phone call um, on a Saturday night, you know, or uh, be on a vacation and still answer an email or a text from a client because they have an important financial decision. You know, like you want a human being to proactively do everything for you and answer your questions and calls and emails and texts and not charge you incrementally every six minutes like an attorney would you're going to pay someone 10 grand a year to do that job. Um, if you're multiple locations, multiple entities, you're going to pay someone 20 grand a year to do that job. I mean, that's just, that's the nature of it. Now here's what's cool about the, where we are in technology in the industry nowadays, technology is leveraging humans abilities better than it ever has before. So if you're a new dentist, you're like, there's no way I'm going to pay 10 grand a year to someone. I don't need that kind of stuff. Well, that's, that's true. Also, that's why it's cool that there's technology that helps you start your first IRA. You know, you can put an app on your iPhone and open your first IRA and someone will help you pick a low cost diversified portfolio on an iPhone app. And that's cool. I haven't met like a multimillionaire that's managing their money on an iPhone app yet, but I've met a lot of students in grad, you know, new grads that are doing it with 10,000 bucks in their IRA. And that's, that's cool that we live in a time that technology is facilitating that. Um, our firm is, uh, is, a, is close to launching some new software that will accommodate um, some of this organization and tracking and accountability and put a little bit more work on a new grad or a new associates um, plate um, because they're not at a point with complexity or revenue to hire us fully. And there's not that much work to do. So some of this technology can offset the time that we spend and the cost that it would run and they can do some of the, uh, of it themselves, you know? So someone might be like, I'm a new grad and, or I'm, I'm an associate, I'm not a practice owner. My main goals right now is save an emergency fund, maybe put some money in, a, in an IRA every year and save a little bit of money to buy a practice. Well, that's a really simple financial plan. You know, you want to make sure that you've got your emergency fund and that you're insured the right way. And, uh, but that's a simple plan. So you might be able to use our new iPhone app that'll come out in a few months um, to help just get organized and stay on track on everything and then build a really cheap, simple investment portfolio. But the dentist who's, you know, practice owner and busy and has kids and 
any minute outside of the practice doesn't want to, you know, wants to spend it on life and family and hobbies and wants to offload that. I mean, you're just, you're just paying a human, a, a human being who spent a, a career becoming an expert to do that job. And it, you know, it just, it costs money. The only thing is you should just know what it costs and why it costs that, you know? And I'm not even saying that like someone should be, has to agree that that's fair. So there's some people out there that are like, well, that's dumb. I'll just do this myself. Well then fine. You know, <laughs> that's okay too. We live in a cool world. You can learn a lot of things. If you're willing to spend as much time as your advisor is going to spend on your financial life, then you could do it too. It's just the odds are also running a, a busy dental practice. You probably just won't want to spend that much time eventually. Right. No, I understand. Um, how many clients do like ballpark? Like do you guys work with in the dental space? Yeah, I think, um, I don't think we're, quite 300 yet um but we're, we're getting there um every month grows faster than the last you know every month we probably i don't know between five and ten new new clients that that come on board and uh it's, it's just it keeps growing faster and faster we're getting more advisors in more places and the podcast is reaching more people we're doing more speaking and events than we ever have before so you know we're just we're just cranking along that's awesome yeah Thank you so much, Ryan. Any final thoughts before we wrap up and also your contact information? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Well, people can reach out to us um, uh, at dentistadvisors.com. Uh, we have a little uh, free consultation button and people can just book a, a, a call on our calendar. A little calendar link pops up, pick a time and uh, just have a, a free initial chat with us. You know, we're, we're not going to be the best fit for everyone out there in the world and not every dentist is going to be the best fit for us either. Um, but it's always worth a, a conversation to kind of point someone in the right direction. Um, also everything that we do, everything that we like talk about, everything we do for clients is published. I mean, it's on our website. You can go learn all of our process. You know, it's all sitting there. Dennisadvisors.com. We have this education library that everything we'll ever do. We teach about publicly openly and, and then the podcast as well, the Dennis money show it's uh, on our website as well. So it's a good way to get in touch with us. And uh, we love to hear, we love to hear from people and, and, you know, get new listeners and make new friends. It's great. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank I really you. appreciate it. I, I kind of um, agree with you. Like, um, it sounds so simple, but it's the simple stuff that kills you, which is yeah. not being organized. And, uh, and, and, and I, I know dental clients, I've worked with many of them. They are busy running a dental practice. I mean, that's very consuming, not yeah. just of time, but your energy, your, your everything. So yeah. they don't really have time to do whether it's marketing, which is what I do, or, you know, financial planning and, and the rigor you talked about, you know, what's my savings, uh, you know, what's, um, you know, what's my uh, uh, profitability, you know, where I'm, you know, all those just that rigor. I and mean, like you said, it's not about people who get rich. Like, I mean, we all talk about the Bill Gates or the Steve Jobs, yeah. but that's, you know, one out of a million, but the other 99 anomalies, man. Yeah. The others just, you know, grinding it, you know, day yeah, day to out. grind. It's a uh, week in and week out and, and you yeah. guys help them do what they love to do, which is dentistry while you guys take care of the grind when it comes to financial planning. So exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. It was great to get to know you and uh, appreciate the, the chance to talk a little bit about what we do. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. We'll see you around. See you. Thanks.